This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 89 of the Catholic Foodie, Happy Chefs. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking faith, family, and fun. I'm very excited because I get to bring you an interview today, and it's a special interview with the chefs of our favorite local restaurant, Ristorante del Porto, here in Covington. I also want to recap my experience as a guest blogger at faithandfamilylive.com last week. I want to thank Danielle Bean and her crew at Faith and Family for the invitation. Also, if everything goes according to plan, you will notice that this episode is, is significantly shorter than usual. But more about that later. Anyway, we got lots of good stuff here. The Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. That's right, folks. Uh, also, I wanted to let you know that uh, Sarah Reinhardt joins us today for Mary in the Kitchen, of course. And this week, she's going to talk to us about her time in the kitchen with dogs underfoot. I know a little bit about that. Uh, she also wants to remind us to turn to Mary when we are pushed to our limits. And, you know, that's something I know about, too, and definitely a message I need to hear. And another little surprise I have for you. This is a surprise now. I am not giving you a recipe this week. How about that? And uh, I'll tell you why a little bit later in the show. First, we have to start with our prayer. And I want to let you know that the prayer today is based on the reading from this past Sunday's Mass. I am recording this today. This is being produced on uh, Tuesday, September 21st, 2010. I had intended to record this uh, on Sunday. That just did not happen. You know, life got in the way. Anyway, uh, the readings from Sunday were so powerful. They were, they were forceful, really. I, you could use that word, forceful. And I might say a, a word or two about that in just a bit. But first, let's do our prayer. This prayer is based on those readings from 9-19-2010. Lord Jesus, the readings from today's Mass speak forcefully about the love you have for the poor. Help us, Lord, be more, to be more attentive to the poor and their plight. Grant us the grace to see you in the poor and to reach out to you in charity. Lord Jesus, may we also come to see very clearly the poor in our own family, those who are in want of love and attention, of encouragement and support, those who are around this very table. Bless us, Lord, and make us true disciples, eager to follow you wholeheartedly and bless this food we are about to receive and bless those who go without today. Amen. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side and I like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of the can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heat it. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. I'm going to jump in today to the appetizer section, but before we do, I do want to give a special thank you once again to the creators of the Divine Office. Uh, well, I should just say the Divine Office Ministry. The fine folks over there, the Divine Office Ministry or Apostolate uh, at divineoffice.org. You know, the last uh, few uh, episodes... I have talked about uh, the Divine Office iPhone and iPad app, but that's really only half the story, or maybe even less than half the story. And I wanted to make sure that you know 
that uh, especially for you, if you don't have an iPhone or an iPad app or an app, the iPhone or the iPad, you can go to divineoffice.org and you can pray. You can learn about and pray the Liturgy of the Hours, the Divine Office, for free, okay? Uh, divineoffice.org, this is a ministry. Uh, the folks over there want to encourage, want to spread devotion to, want to spread really the powerful method of praying uh, that's that's ancient in our church. They want to promote that here online for people today, people who live busy lives. Uh, so uh, over there at divineoffice.org, you will find, first of all, um, online, right there on your screen, you will find the daily prayers of the Divine Office morning, uh, well, morning, uh, the office, the invitatory, the office of readings, the morning prayer, the evening prayer, and the night prayer, all in audio format with the prayers there printed on the screen. So you can follow along with the audio while you're sitting at your computer. The uh, midday prayers are there in printed form, but not in audio yet. I think that's something that they are working on. Uh, you also can go to iTunes or to a special feed, RSS feed, that I will put in the show notes where you can subscribe to the Divine Office podcast. Again, free. Now, with the podcast, you don't necessarily have the show notes. Um, it depends on what kind of iPod you're listening to that you use, whether or not you can actually pull the show notes up. But they're there, uh, and the show notes really are all the prayers right there printed out for you. But the point is, if you don't have an iPhone, you don't have an iPad, you're not left out in the dark. This particular ministry has something for you, has something wonderful for you, and that is online. You can listen to the uh, the prayers and follow along with them, and also you can just download them, subscribe to it, download them to your iPod. Excellent, excellent stuff. Again, I love the Divine Office. I love the Liturgy of the Hours, and I recommend it to everybody who wants to grow in prayer. So divineoffice.org is where you'd go to find all the goodies. And, uh, you know, I have to tell you this, too. I, I, I just said this. I mention it to everybody who wants to grow in prayer. Well, you know, my wife knows that for years and years I've prayed the Divine Office. And, you know, she has the Magnificat, the little Magnificat uh, uh, booklet that you could subscribe to. And she loves it. And she uses it primarily for Mass. Now, she has from time to time prayed the Liturgy of the Hours, the morning or evening prayer, which is really just an abbreviated version in the Magnificat. You don't get the whole thing. But she has done that from time to time. But I kept telling her about the, the, uh, you know, the iPhone app and, and iPad app, and you know she's got an iTouch. So we downloaded it, put it on the iTouch, and she started to listen to it every morning going to the gym. It's about 20, 15, 20 minutes away. And then on the way home from the gym, so she listens to the Office of Readings on the way there, morning prayer on the way back, and prays along as best she can. And, man, I tell you what, she is a new convert. She has been converted to the Divine Office. She loves it. And uh, the day, I think it was Saturday and Sunday, we did not, she did not go work out in the morning. And she was complaining later in the day. She says, I just, I miss it. I miss it. You know, I, I think I'm going to go pray right now because I missed the prayer this morning. I didn't go work out, you know, and, and she just loves it. So she is a new convert to the Divine Office. And uh, once again, I just encourage you guys to go and check out divineoffice.org. It's a wonderful way to grow in prayer. Now, as we get into the appetizer segment, I do want to talk just for a, a few minutes about um, a couple of different things. Uh, first of all, just a quick uh, reflection on the readings from Sunday's Mass. 
Oh, my goodness. You know, I call them in that prayer. I said they're forceful, and they are. And guess what they have to do with? They have to do with the poor, and they have to do with our uh, treatment of the poor. I mean some strong stuff, folks. And I wanted to bring this up now, even though it's a Tuesday and, and Sunday has come and gone. Because this coming Sunday, the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time, I believe, those readings will pick up again. All right, the readings this past Sunday from Amos, the prophet Amos from Psalms, uh, the responsorial was Psalm 113, First Timothy, St. Paul's letter, first letter to Timothy, and then Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. See, in each of those, those readings, we simply next Sunday have the continuation and in Amos, uh, the, the reading from Amos, oh my goodness, y'all. <laughs> I mean, you read this, I would not want to be on the receiving end of this prophecy, this prophetic utterance from Amos. Not at all. And, and I worry, I worry sometimes if I'm not. That, that, that's the scary thing. Amos is talking about uh, the, 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 the leaders and the business people of the day and saying, you know, he's saying, you know what, the Lord prefers the poor, or, or, or the Lord takes care of the poor. The Lord is concerned about the poor and wants to care for them. But listen to you, you know, you guys, you, you, you leaders of the people, you, you business people, what are you doing? On the Sabbath, you're sitting there in your home and you're thinking, man, I can't wait for the Sabbath to be over. I got to get past this because then I get to go back to making money, right? Monday starts up, which for them actually was what we would call Sunday, because the Sabbath for the, uh, the, the, the Jews, the, the chosen people, the Israelites, were or was, uh, was Saturday. So they can't wait for the next day, can't wait for the Sabbath to be over, the Sabbath, the day of rest, the, the, the day they're supposed to spend focusing just you know exclusively on the Lord, their relationship with the Lord. They can't wait for that day to be over because they want to go back to make money. Uh-oh, that's not good, right? And Amos tells them that. And what is the very end of that reading, what does Amos say? Amos says, hey, guess what, folks? The Lord will not forget a single thing that you have done. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's For me, that's scary. That is scary. The Psalm 113, once again, just kind of reiterates the whole theme. The Lord lifts up the poor from the dunghill, right? He lifts up the poor from the dust. The Lord cares for the poor. The Lord will... will um, will provide for the poor. So same sort of message, same theme going there. Now, what's interesting, and I find this interesting, especially since we have these prayer before meals, right, that I do on the show. What's interesting is in 1, in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, the very beginning, uh, verses 1 through 8, Paul is telling Timothy, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make sure that all the Christians, all the people of God there, that they offer constantly prayers for those in authority, those who govern, right? And, and, and whether they're kings, whether they're presidents, whatever they may be, that you offer prayers to them that we may live a calm and peaceful life. You see, those, who, those in power, those in authority have tremendous influence on how we live our lives on a daily basis, whether we're at war or not, for instance, whether we're taxed to death or not. All these things play a part in making our lives either peaceful and tranquil and calm or not. So he urges us to pray for them. And another thing, when you think about it, those who govern the people, it's really a form of service. It's a service for the people 
in general, for the people, um, um, uh, the common people, okay? So if they are to serve the people, one group that they need to serve is the poor. And you see that we have programs and all kind of stuff in our own government here in the States to take care of the poor, food stamps and all this. But you, you know what? The, 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 it's not the government that does the best job of, of helping the poor. It is who? It's the church. You know, the Catholic Church worldwide is the largest charitable organization. And that's great and good and all, and programs are wonderful. But guess what? Guess what the most powerful way to, to serve the poor is, to help the poor, is, is to give your time yourself personally and actually be there with them and to, and to, uh, to, to kind of touch their lives. And we'll talk about that more in just a minute. But I wanted to bring up also um, uh, Luke chapter 16, right? In this particular uh, uh, reading from the Scriptures, from the Gospels, Jesus tells the story of the uh, dishonest steward, right? You got this steward who is, works with his master. He takes care of all of his property, takes care of all of his affairs. And what is the steward doing? The steward is uh, being dishonest. He's, he's mishandling his master's uh, goods. And the, the, the master is really upset with him and says, look, dude, you better get your, straight, your act straight because I'm about to can you, okay? You're going to be out on the street. And so what does the dishonest steward do? The master leaves. The dishonest steward starts to, to, to call in all the debtors, all those who owe the master money, and he starts saying, hey, look, change, here's, your, here's your bill, right? This is what you owe. Change it. Change it. What, you owe 100 uh, casks of olive oil? Oh, oh, make it 50, okay? Oh, you know, you owe 80 whatever? Oh, make it 60, okay? So he's doing this dishonestly, but he's doing it to ensure that once he's out on the street, he has people who will take him in. Right? He's making friends. He's making friends with that his master's money, not his own. So that's uh, very interesting. What's really interesting about this is that Jesus praises the dishonest servant, the, the dishonest steward. He praises him and talks about how, in a way, kind of shrewd he is in the way that he uses the material, uh, material things to make friends in this life. Interesting. And what's interesting is that in the story, the master praises the, the dishonest steward also. That's weird. I find it strange. I find that very strange. And to, to be honest, I don't quite get it. I, I mean, I, I can kind of see it. I can kind of start to grasp it, but I really don't get it. I don't know what that's all about. So if you do, please let me know. Call me at 985-635-4974 or email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Now, the very end of that reading from Luke chapter 16, right? Jesus, the famous saying that, you know, you cannot serve both God and money. So I, I see this very striking uh, presence or very striking uh, connection there in the readings from the Mass between Amos talking about how the Lord takes care of the poor and how that prophetic word chastising those who are abusing the poor, because not only were they uh, kind of uh, wanting to throw the Sabbath to the side so they could go make money. In addition to that, what else are they doing? They're cheating. They're cheating the poor. You read that. Amos chapter 8, verses 4 to 7. They are cheating the poor, taking advantage of them. And we see that today. I don't need to mention credit card companies that, you know, they give students 
in college without a job, a credit card. <laughs> Hello? What do you think they're trying to do? It's like getting somebody hooked on crack. That's not a good thing. Yet credit card companies do that all the time. Lots of uh, uh, businesses will try to trap people like that. It's, it's, it, that. That is what was happening in Amos chapter 8. And God did not have very good things to say about them, them folks. You know what I'm saying? God did not have very good things to say about them folks. So, uh, and I certainly don't want to be in that number. But, you know, Second Timothy, we got to pray. We got to pray for the leaders because they can make a difference. And then finally in Luke, we talk about the dishonest steward, which I need to, you know, really kind of pray and try to understand that more. Uh, and we have... God, or, or Jesus saying, you know, you cannot serve both God and, and money. So what are we to take from this? I think for me personally, I take two things. Going really back to the essentials of the gospel, what Jesus said, this is the law and the prophets, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Who is my neighbor? My neighbor is not just the, 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 the very nice woman who lives next door to us or the, the elderly couple who lives across the street. is not just my extended family. It's the poor. The poor as well. You know, when I was uh, a teenager, I was uh, 16, 17, 18, I, I was discerning a religious vocation. And uh, yeah, I used to go work in the soup kitchen all the time down in Baton Rouge with the Missionaries of Charity uh, sisters, the nuns there. That's Mother Teresa's order, okay? And I'd go work there. During the summers, I was there every day. I would pray with them. I'd spend the day there. I helped with uh, their summer camp. I would work in the soup kitchen, and I loved it. It was wonderful, and it really gave me a sense of, hey, this is life, okay? This is life. This is how I look in front of God. These folks coming in, sitting at this table, they're sitting down here getting food for free, people serving them. They stink, all right? Have you ever smelled poverty? I, I, I have. <laughs> I lived it when I was in the seminary in Mexico you know, right there in the midst of the poor. But poverty's got a smell to it, folks. And I was right there smelling that smell. And, and what I'm saying is they're sitting there with their smell. They're sitting there with their ragged look, disheveled. And they're, they're, they're getting food. And some of them are nice and some of them are not. Some of them can be very rude, aggressive, angry. But they all come in, they get their meal, they sit down, and they eat. They all, the nuns, man, the nuns were tough. <laughs> the nuns were tough. Goodness gracious. Little bitty things, you know, about like three, two. <laughs> and yet they command the attention and the obedience of these men that are like four times their size. It's amazing. And you know it's just the presence of God in their hearts. It's amazing. So they would, they, these, these folks, these folks would come in, sit down. They would, all, the nuns would, quiet them down, wouldn't let them eat until they prayed. And they'd pray and they'd bless the food. And then the, the, the folks there, the poor, would start to eat. And, and guess what? I would have a very, very keen sense that this is exactly how I look in front of God. He invites me to his table to eat for free. And what do I look like? I probably look just like those folks that I used to see in the soup kitchen. But guess what? 
the Lord is all for the poor, and the Lord takes care of the poor. And I'm one of those, right? So he's going to take care of me. You know, it's interesting. You got the, the Sermon in the Valley in Luke's Gospel. You have the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. And in both cases, they, they give us the Beatitudes. But there's a little difference there. Matthew says, blessed are the poor, period, right? Blessed are the poor, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Luke says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What I take away from that is that, you know, literally the Lord loves the poor, literally. But you know what? Spiritually, we're all poor. We're all poor. So he comes to us in our poverty, especially those who spiritually can acknowledge their poverty because that's, that's humility, right? And that, that brings with it an openness to God and God's charity, God's love, God's self-sacrificing love that, that, uh, that goes all the way to provide for us, to care for us, to, to love us. So that's just a, a couple of things that I wanted to reflect on from the readings, mainly because it has to do with, uh, with the way God feeds us. It has to do with uh, the way that he treats us. And it has to do also with the whole thing that we should be focusing more on God than on money. That is a hard pill to swallow today. Anyway, if you have any thoughts yourself on these readings, if you have anything you'd like to share, give me a call, 985-635-4974. You can also email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. You heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. It's honey. True love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Uh, just uh, as we move into our salad segment here, which is about health, I want to say just a couple of things about health today both physically and spiritually, Uh, but also before we begin that, I want to give a shout-out to Jason Lopez over on uh, at facebook.com slash catholicfoodie. You will find the Catholic Foodie Facebook page, and Jason left a comment there, and this was right after episode 87. He left a comment, and I was so moved by this comment that I I featured it on the website on catholicfoodie.com. Whoa, man, you know, you can see that comment over at catholicfoodie.com slash, I'm sorry, I was going to say first, facebook.com slash catholicfoodie, you have to scroll down to the post about uh, uh, episode 87, it's a comment there, or go to catholicfoodie.com slash Jason Lopez, and you'll see uh, the where I featured it, and also my response to him, my written response, so wow, wow, Jason, that's awesome. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to write that. It really, man, I can't tell you how how good it was to uh, to read that. So thank you so much. On a spiritual note, I guess it's a spiritual note or a a, 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 a social note. You know, last week I had been invited by Danielle Bean and the fine folks over there at faithandfamily.com to be a guest blogger. And wow, it was so much fun. I had so much fun. You know, those ladies over there, they know how to have fun. It was great. A couple things. I think I put up four posts, and all, including no five posts, including uh, a special episode, which was episode 80, 88, 
You may have heard that one. I, I, I did it directing it toward mainly faith and family listeners and, uh, and readers, but of course it went out to everybody, so you may have heard that episode already. Um, so five posts, including that one, and on top of that, I was a guest on the Faith and Family dot or the Faith and Family Live podcast. That was cool, man. That was so cool. I was with Lisa Hendy and Sarah Reinhardt, two of my favorite people, two of my absolutely favorite people, and we had a ball. We talked about the Catholic foodie, what it's all about. That was fun. It was really fun. And we also talked about having the hard talk, that hard talk with your children about drugs and alcohol, mainly alcohol. Uh, but it was we all had our own insights we brought to the discussion, and it, it was just a lot of fun. If you haven't listened to it yet, go over to faithandfamilylive.com. You'll find the uh, episode, I think it's episode 70 of Faith and Family Live, over there. And also, uh, you'll see... Uh, if you scroll down, you'll see my post from last week, and uh, they're all over there. It's stuff that's different. It's not, you don't find this stuff over at catholicfoodie.com. So if you want a little different flair, a little something different, something new, something fresh, go over to faithandfamilylive.com and check that out, and let me know. Let me know what you think. You can make a comment there uh, on those posts at faithandfamilylive.com, or just send me an email, give me a call, whatever you like to do. Uh, just as long as you are engaging in conversation with me, hey, Everybody's happy. All right, one last thing. I have a favor to ask you. I need a, to ask you a big favor. Uh, the Catholic Foodie Book, right? The book project, the cookbook project is becoming a reality, okay? I'm getting ready to launch this thing. Um, and as you, you may remember, this is something where you, I'm going to podcast the entire process. You get to be part of the journey. You get to contribute. You get to tell me what you think you are going to be an integral part of this cookbook becoming a reality, and I'm excited about that. I don't, I don't know anybody else, at least Catholic uh, in the Catholic world. I don't know of anybody else who is doing this, who's doing what I'm doing. Going to be podcasting the entire process of writing this cookbook and inviting you to participate. I think it's a great idea. Thank you very much, Dane Faulkner. It was his idea. Thank you very much, Dane. Uh, Dane is 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 the uh, um, what, what do you would you would you call it the 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 leader, the shepherd, the uh, the head honcho over there at divineoffice.org. Dane is a great guy. I got to have dinner with him at the CNMC, and he gave me the idea then of uh, podcasting the book. But I'm I'm going to start this. We are on the cusp of the launch of this project. Okay. Uh, I would love to get started this week. I'd love to get started this week, but it may not start till next week, okay? So I'm not promising you that we'll start this week, but I will say that by next week, I do want this thing going, okay? Now, here's my favor. This is the big thing. We are talking about a podcast, or we're talking about, yeah, episodes, shows that will be um, really the same sort of stuff we talk about here. It is the same stuff, but the format's going to be different, okay? Same content, talking about food and faith, the intersection there, talking a lot about Scripture and food and Scripture, and really food and salvation history. That's what it's all about, food and salvation history. It's not going to be bland. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I'm bringing a New Orleans flair to this, y'all. We're going to jazz it up a bit, you know? It's going to be a good thing. 
Uh, but here's the question. Should I make that part of the regular Catholic foodie feed? What does that mean? For those of you who don't know anything about feeds, all you do is download the shows. Well, this is what it means. Right now, if you subscribe to the Catholic Foodie Podcast, every time a new episode is up, you get a notification. It may, If you're in iTunes, it may download automatically. Uh, if you're using some other podca- uh, podcatcher, other kind of program or application, it may download it automatically or send you an email or whatever it may be to let you know, hey, a new one's out, okay? Um, if you don't subscribe that way, but you subscribe uh, via email, then you may get an email that just lets you know, hey, another post is up, another episode is up. You can go to catholicfoodie.com and listen to it. Um, all of my posts, all my episodes also show up over at SQPN, and that, that address is catholicfoodie.sqpn.com. Uh, so you may get it online there. What I'm saying is, I have these episodes I've been doing now for almost two years. We have 80, well, this is episode 89. And I'm trying to follow this format, right, of a meal. I'm, I'm trying to give you different segments with different content, you know, health. And, and we had that uh, aperitif segment uh, that we need to get Sarah Vabulous back on the show to, to help us out with. We've got uh, some kind of a main dish, which is going to be something food-related or perhaps something from our faith and from, from Scripture, um, we've, we've got uh, a segment with Mary in the kitchen. I, I try to give you a recipe or something every episode. So we have all these different things that make up an episode of the Catholic foodie podcast. Okay. What I'm saying is if you subscribe to the show and I keep the new cookbook project as part of this same feed, that means that you will get a notification or if it's an iTunes or another podcatcher, that it may download automatically every time I put a new episode up along, right alongside with the Catholic Foodie Podcast. My question, do you want that? Do you want that? Uh, I, would, I would label it differently. It would be something like, um, I don't know, CF Cookbook or CF Book 001 for the first episode. So you're going to get it in the same feed automatically. And whether or not you want to listen to it, that's your choice. You can move to the next uh, Catholic Foodie Podcast, whatever you think. Or would it be better for you if I started a separate feed, meaning that those of you who listen to the Catholic Foodie Podcast but don't really want to listen to the cookbook podcast, then you don't even get any of the episodes. You would have to subscribe to a completely separate podcast in order to get those cookbook episodes. I want to know what you think. Please help me out with this. I want to wait until I hear from you before I actually launch the project. That That's going to make it, um, you know, I can't launch it until I make that decision. Is it going to be the same feed or not? So I want to get it launched either this week. I'd love to do it this week or next week. So please contact me as soon as possible, 985-635-4974, or email me, jeff at catholicfoodie.com. I need two salmon, three salad compassion, and a free fillet. I need two others, seal salmon. Free fillet, work it. I need plates.
You know, if you've been listening to the show for quite a while, or just for a while, you may have heard Char and I talk about Del Porto. It's a restaurant here in Covington, Louisiana, right down the street from our house, and it is our absolute favorite place to go eat. Uh, it, it's just wonderful. And they have this thing, it's, it's uh, small plates, where they you, you can order these small plates, and it's really it's almost like a happy hour for food, okay? Even though they do have, I think, half-price martinis with fresh fruit, right? Fresh fruit um, from 4 to 6.30. And I think this is just on Fridays. That's when we always go. I'm pretty sure it's just on Fridays. Anyway, the small plates uh, from 4.30 to 6.30, they're offered. And you can go in there, and it, it's like a, a sampling from their menu. And I mean a plate, which normally would be, I don't know, 15 to 20 bucks or something like that. You know, you may get the plate for for $55, $6, something like that. It's just, just a small thing. And what we'll do, Char and I, we'll go in there and we'll have a martini and we will order, I don't know, five, I don't know how many. I really can't remember how many we order. Five, six, I don't know. Different small plates. And so we get to try and sample all this different food. It's just so good and we love it. And for for probably a year now, I've been thinking, man, i got to come and interview these chefs. I've got to get to know them find out more about the restaurant. We love it so much. You know, this is something I've got to do. Well, finally, 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 I made a call about a week or two ago, and uh, we we got it set up. I guess it was two weeks ago. We got it set up for this past Friday, and I went in there with Char. Very good, very glad she could be there with me. Went in there, and uh, and we, we had a fantastic, fantastic conversation with uh, David and Tori Salazzo. They, that, that's the, a married couple. They're chefs. They were trained out in... Uh, in, uh, in in California, Tori's actually from New Orleans, though David's uh, from New York originally, uh, and and th- th- they're married. Isn't that cool? They're married. They're chefs. Both of them are. They studied together, and they're running their own restaurant. I think it's so cool, and it's kind of a family type thing, right? But this is a really nice restaurant. And it, anyway, we had a wonderful conversation with them, and I want to bring that to you right now. Uh, so just sit back, relax, enjoy, and get kind of an inside view of what it's like to be a chef and be creative and come up with really creative dishes and own your own restaurant and, and just hear the story. It's a great story from David and Tori Salasso. Well, folks, you are not going to believe this. I can't believe it myself. Uh, this is something I've wanted to do for a very long time. We are at Del Porto. Okay, it's a restaurant here, local restaurant, right down the road from us here in Covington. And uh, we have the incredible privilege of having David and Tori Salasso, the chefs here and the owners of this restaurant. Um, wow, <laughs> I'm excited. And on top of that, Char has joined us, joining us today. So, uh, um, so welcome, folks. Thanks. We're happy Thanks to be here. Thanks very much. Uh, you know, I mean, I, we've already told you this, but this is our favorite restaurant. So, uh, just maybe in the beginning, you want to just tell us kind of how this got started? How did the restaurant come about? Well, um, you know, Tori and I moved to Louisiana in 2000 and um, started working at different restaurants. We had, you know, gained some good experience in California and finished culinary school and. Um, we uh, were working at a restaurant called Artesia in Abita Springs, and um, actually one of our co-workers um, was telling us about this little spot here in Covington, and he was thinking about opening up a place there, and uh, you know his financing fell through, and he didn't really, he wasn't able to do it, so he just told us that this lady who ran the place was uh, 
looking to sell it and looking to have some other owners come in and uh, we talked to her and we talked about it amongst ourselves and uh, we just uh, sort of dove right in from there. It was just too good of an opportunity to pass up, you know, it was just kind of thrown in front of us and uh, we had to take the chance. We didn't plan on opening a restaurant that soon. You know, we were just kind of fresh out of culinary school about a year and um, I don't know, just an opportunity came, we thought we could do it and... Here we are, eight years later. <laughs> yeah, we had to jump on that. Yeah, we, we had, had to jump, jump on, on it, it for sure. Well, I want to ask you some more uh, about the restaurant, but before I do, I'd love to know what what was it that drew you originally to cooking? Um, you know, myself, I've just, uh, I've always sort of had a passion for food. My, uh, my family um, would get together every night for dinner together and then it was always a big dinner with extended family on Sundays and um, it was just kind of the environment I grew up in and um, my father was a salesman who traveled internationally and um, you know food and cooking was a big part of his life and so we sort of developed that interest together and uh, I, I went to college after high school and I was just sort of working around trying to find a career and a lot of people encouraged me to look into going to culinary school because they saw I had a uh, an interest in it and a little bit of skill. So right. that's why I, that's where I ended up. Very cool. Very cool. I'm just I'm from New Orleans. He's from New York, and um, I just grew up in a we we cook. I mean, right. you know, and uh, <laughs> my mom, you know, worked late night. She was a nurse, and I have a little sister. You know, I took care of a lot, and so I wound up kind of taking over the dinner duties. And um, I've always loved to cook, and I'm real energetic and so it's just that kind of job that it's a high energy job you know you really don't get bored in it there's not a lot of sitting around and it's, it's really good for a person like me and I'm you know right. and I, I've been cooking since I was little as well I just love it I just love always loved it I, I tell you I've, I've always been tempted to go to culinary school it's but uh, I think the the high intensity would make my hair fall out. <laughs> it's not culinary school that's the high intensity. It's, 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 uh, when, you yeah. get, it's when you get out. It's when you get it's in the restaurant sh- business. The real it, education begins once you start true. really working in high-end restaurants. Because you go to culinary school and it's all kumbaya. It's dreams. Yes, it's just all that stuff. When you get out, you get you get slapped with the real reality of it all, now, I mean, which that's is wonderful. A, yeah, that's a good question, though. When you were in culinary, I mean, did you really get... A, a, a realistic idea of what it would be like to own your own restaurant while um, you were in culinary school? Um, not in terms of just owning your own place. I A lot of kids, at least when I was going into culinary school, had the impression that they were chefs when they came out of culinary school, but they're really not. It's kind of like just the beginning, and you have to work at it as a cook for a while, I think, um, before you can sort of take that next step to being a chef. Um, but I, I, I mean, I had... I had an idea, but I, I didn't really know what it would be like, you know, in terms of being an owner and sort of having that baby 24-7 right. to look after. Well, I had been in the restaurant business previous in New Orleans with my, my father and um, had a few restaurants. And so it wasn't really, I mean, I kind of always knew that that's what I wanted to do sooner than later, you know, because we both went to culinary school later in life, you know, both got college degrees first and then we were almost 30 when we went and, um, I just wanted to get on the fast track. I wanted to open a restaurant. I didn't want to spend another 10 years, right, you know, right. cooking at $7 an hour or whatever it is, you know. And um, I kind of always had my eye on that subconsciously. So when that opportunity arose, I mean, I, I don't think we felt scared. We were ready to just jump on it, you know. that The experience, my experience, coupled with our experience in culinary school and also what we learned after culinary school out in California, it made for 
and not too scary to open the new restaurant, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's still... It's hard work, but it wasn't... We weren't afraid to do it. Sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's still, it's a big step. It um, is. It, big, big step, too, after going to college to decide to go into culinary school mm-hmm. as well. well. Did y'all have, like, uh, any any influences, any kind of inspirational people that uh, in your life or, or that you maybe saw yeah. to, um, to inspire you to do this? You know, my dad or my grandmother... Um, they were just were really always into food and Italian food in particular. Um, so they really helped inspire me to always, uh, you know, seek out the best products and and really work at it to to make sure we're putting our best best plates out there. Right, right. I mean, I I, I can't say that one. Per- I mean, it was kind of my thing. You know, I was kind of like the first person in my group of people that really enjoyed cooking. You know, as my like thought of it as a career, but um, I was more inspired by California. I was more inspired by living in San Francisco. I I, I would say that's what totally turned me on to this way of cooking. You know, I mean, I've always cooked New Orleans, you know, and so I never saw what a vegetable really looked like, you know, (laughs) and then when I got to California, it was, well, you know, it's all in the Trinity and cooked down and melted away. It's wonderful, but you don't know what the vegetable looks like, you know, so um, yeah, it, it, it blew me away out there, the farmer's markets, and that was, you know, and 97, 98. Oh, I had never wow. seen that kind of thing before. It's exploding now everywhere. Oh, yes. But back then, you had to kind of go to California to see that kind of stuff, you know? So that was my inspiration. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, that's something, too, because I've noticed here at the restaurant, y'all kind of focus on seasonal mm-hmm. and uh, local yeah, quality well, foods. We're, uh, we're really lucky enough to have a, a significant number of farmers um, that grow a great variety of vegetables so um, we're not able to use you know 100% local vegetables but we are able to really use a a significant portion of our menu to sort of feature different items that are grown locally and sustainably and uh, it's also really Italian to eat like that it's it's what they do in Italy it's very seasonal very local it's what they do um, in California you know so it's kind of like putting those two you know we we were trained in Italian restaurants out in California and plus, being in California, you know, we just kind of right. tried to really replicate that philosophy down here. And, um, yeah, it works. We have a bunch of great products around here. So it's real easy to draw from the local things and kind of um, put it into, like, Italian techniques and stuff. And I don't know. It's, it's a good place to be Excellent. for that kind of cooking. So And we are fortunate to have the resources locally to, to yeah. do that. Um, you know, a question that... Uh, that always kind of fascinates me talking to cooks and chefs is um, about where the inspiration comes from for the dishes. Uh, I'm fascinated as a home cook, I'm fascinated by recipes. I've got my own little philosophy about recipes. I, I interviewed Marcel Bienvenu about, yeah. uh, I guess it was a year ago, it was in the summertime, and she and I had a great conversation about recipes. And she writes them for a living, yeah. but she was sort of like, Right, you know, right. Like throwing out, you know, right. do what you like, right. do it, make, you know, have fun, play in the kitchen. That's what it's all about. It's not about following a recipe to the T. Um, she says, you know, kind of on the side, she says, I, I can repeat this because she said it a year and a half ago, <laughs> you know, whatever. She says, uh, you know, most chefs don't even know how to write a recipe. It's so, true. You know, it's they very go in true. there and they cook, and so Absolutely. you're like an artist. You're doing you a know, lot right? of uh, a lot of cooking is like that in terms of um, you know savory cooking. Right. Um, yeah. When you get into pastries and baking, really you have to be to a that. little bit more standardized, unless right. you're uh, you know if you really know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but um there's certain things like here um we change everything so often I, I wouldn't say that we work from recipes not with our cooks at all but there's certain things that have to have recipes like the white bean puree to oh, make sure right. it's always consistent sure. or bag plant caponata or you know there's but really i mean even our soups and stuff it's kind of like make a butternut squash soup you know mm -hmm. how to start it that one gets butter and onion you know it's like everybody knows like if it's a vegetable, you know, they just kind of know. Right. Um, but you do have to, we've had to really buckle down and get some stuff on paper um, just to make, you know, it's consistent here. I don't know. I'm sure you have noticed that, you know, oh, yeah. just to, there's Absolutely. only one way to keep that consistency, you know, right. is to have just certain things in recipes. So that's been a challenge for us. Mm -hmm. I'd say we probably just started writing recipes like maybe two or three years ago and we got over to this space here. Wow. And I'm getting better at it, you know. I'm starting to get better at it. I, yeah. And we, it's something that you also learn how to do in culinary school. I mean, right. they do show you how to do it, but it, it's hard. I mean, you, like, think about what you made, and then you have to, like, get the recipe down, and then you have to, like, go retest it, you know, and tweet. It's just it's more time-consuming more than, time. I, than, I, than I, I got into this to throw things in and have a good time. Oh, yeah. you know, it, that's yeah. work to me, you know? So when a customer is like, oh, can I get the recipe for that soup? I was like, can I call you in, like, right. three days? And then I have to, like, get this whole thing figured out, you know? So it's when you have to have someone following you around the kitchen with a notebook. Right, know? right. Yeah. Seriously. I mean... So. By, by the way, I'd love to get like a tub of that garlic aioli and yeah. just swim around in it. Sure. <laughs> that stuff is like, just, oh, like unbelievable. You can stuff. make that at home. And, yeah, that's uh, super simple. See, I do a recipe Enjoy. for that. Mm -hmm. That's an easy recipe. That's, a, that's, that's some good stuff. <laughs> that is some good stuff. Do you um, collaborate on coming up with your menus? You know, we, we really do. There's certain dishes that, you know, one of us may come up with totally on our own, but on a good amount of dishes, um, you know, I'll come up with two or three elements, and Tori will come up with a couple more elements, and then, you know, even we'll have, like, our sous chef or one of the cooks make some suggestions, and uh, it usually takes a couple of people to get the presentation down right and things like that. We all have different um, uh, strengths here, you know, and... Um Dave's like the backbone. I'm like the frou-frou person, you know, like we all, it's like, so he'll, he'll come up with this really great dish and I'll be like, oh, but it needs a crispy garnish or something, you know, so, right. but that's the beauty of us look, working uh, together, prettier, you know, things like that. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, I feel almost a little guilty because as a chef, it's like, there's two of us, mm -hmm. you know, and so many people, it's just one chef trying to right. run a restaurant and, um, it, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's definitely an to advantage work. to be able to have someone, you know, with the same skills and the same knowledge to talk about dishes with and sort of come together on a yeah, share, it's more share of a family experience. It, oh, it is. You know? yeah. Oh, for sure. Here, I mean, it is. I'm sure you feel that when you come in. Oh, absolutely. But some people have been here for so long, and we it, it is like a family, you know. Yeah. So we love that about I recognize that. the wait staff. That's an unusual thing. Isn't that in nice? Restaurants. I know. Yeah. You know Some of them still from back. the old restaurant. Right? We've yeah. been pretty lucky in that respect. That's, for sure. That's we great. have cooks from the old restaurant still. Wow. I mean, I think the person that's been here the least is about two years now. So wow. all that's, the way up to eight uh, yeah. years, we have yeah, someone who's uh, been here eight years. So. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I don't really see that. It's unusual. We don't. We don't ever know really what to credit it to. I mean, I've worked in a lot of restaurants. So has David, and I've really never seen it. To be honest with you, I mean, sometimes you'll see it. In one of these French Quarter restaurants, like an old Roos Chris, oh, someone yeah, that's been there yeah. for thirty-five or forty years, you know. But um, I don't see it around here, so wow. I don't know. We, no. we threaten their life. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You, you keep, know, our keep name's Salazar. You know? Yeah, like, we keep them in Might put a horse head in their bed if they try to leave or something. You know? <laughs> well, you know, with the Italians, you got right. the mafia connection and all that. Right, right, right. You better not leave. <laughs> so. 
I wanted to ask you too that uh, you know in 2008 and 2009 you were jointly nominated for the James Beard Award, Best Chefs in the United States. Wow. Yeah, that was um, you know shocking. That was quite a shocking honor for us. We were uh, we were named semifinalists. They uh, they pair them down to five finalists from each region right before wow. the ceremony. So we haven't made the finalists yet, but we've. We got our fingers crossed, and we just we keep on doing what we do here every day, and just try and keep it consistent and delicious and creative, and uh, you know, add some new things here and again to keep it fresh. So, uh, you know, if they uh, care to honor us with that uh, recognition, <laughs> we'd be we'd be yeah, really happy for sure. Yeah. For sure. We never really thought about that though. You yeah, know, it's like you come yeah. to work every day and just kind of do what you do, and it's like a lifestyle. And when that those kind of things come along, I mean, it's shocking. It's exciting. It helps you go on it helps you right. to continue like if you're getting bored or stagnant it's just exciting i mean it's exciting to have that kind of recognition and i think you know? that's that's part of too when you're doing something that you love that something that you're passionate yes. about that's really what you're focused on you just right. want to have fun you right. want to do the you know do do what you love right and uh but that that causes people to take notice mm -hmm. you know and it, i think that's uh that's the kind of process people go through you yep. know doing what you love you're you're passionate your heart's in it and uh, people notice that. I yeah. think it shows on yeah. the on the plate. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you too, as a as a home cook, you know, I always want to get better in the kitchen. And you know, Char, I say this over and over again. She's a great cook, by the way. She's a great cook. Okay. Uh, but she she um, says over and over again that <laughs> I I'm the slowest cook in the kitchen. And I, I say that my response to that is, you know, for me, cooking is therapy. Mm -hmm. and, and I need a lot of therapy, right. so I take my time in the kitchen because right, right, right. it's like you know. Uh, but is there anything that you would recommend for anyone in the audience who would like to improve their skills in the kitchen? Any any kind of words of wisdom, words of advice that you would like to, to give to them? Um, you know, I, I really think it's helpful to watch the Food Network, and there's I know a, that's a crazy uh, thing, there's but another it is. channel called the Cooks Channel, and. Um, Cooking you know, channel. cooking channel, and we kind of watch those things just just to see things that interest us. But they they do still kind of help inspire you. They, they help, do. They help give you ideas. There's also shortcuts. Um, um, I mean, it's 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 really amazing how, what you can learn from the Food Network. You know, and, I mean, um, oftentimes local like uh, food or kitchen shops will hold um, cooking classes. Right. I know, and I know. Um, at least one chef from New Orleans who's done them at different uh, cooking schools like at Williams Sonoma and um, there's one called is it called Simply Gourmet yep. yeah. and they do I believe they are starting to do cooking classes as well so that's always a great way to pick up new ideas and just a chance to practice your skills always start right. with a clean kitchen Always, always start. I don't ever start, y'all. I never start. I'm not saying my kitchen's always clean. It's not okay. Oh but before God. I start to cook, I always have to clean the kitchen spotless because it helps me move around quicker. And then I, I really, and I'm not a neat person, but I try to um, really just keep up with the dishes. You know, because it helps. Look, we're spoiled. We we have a dishwasher to pick up everything after us cooks to clean our stations you know so it's like I go home and I'm, I mean I, I start this huge Doesn't mess <laughs> you're turning in circles but it's like if you just kind of keep your dishes washed you know get your your mise en place get all your things prepped out first you know um, just think ahead you know start doing some stuff early in the day I, prep, prepping out first having the clean kitchen 
I think those are the two best ways to be able to cook a little bit faster. But I, I mean, there's definitely nothing wrong with therapeutic, methodical. I believe no, might be a better word than slow. Cooking, that's great. Yeah, yeah. When you can feel less hectic. When you can afford the time, right? You have to plan that out, as Tori would say. Make sure you have it all set. I just have impaired judgment when it comes to you know. That's that's great advice, Tori. But I got to tell you, you you've gotten me in trouble now. Why? You know, I'd never start with a clean kitchen. If, well, <laughs> I mean, if, if the kitchen happens to be clean when I walk in, yeah, well, then you start. Maybe, maybe that's my OCD. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know like, I just can't start. And he's the same. He prefers to start in a clean kitchen. Oh, I, you know? I, I mean, this morning, it was It makes you want to cook, you know? It does. I, I, I was like, know. okay, I'm just going to get everyone something to eat. Right. And there's no room when things are a mess. Right. And, you know, you need your space. And, um... That's my best advice because that's something I have learned just recently, you know, so well, I like to share that. Advice I'm going to try <laughs> okay. to put into practice. to uh, have me clean the kitchen before yeah. she well, right, but, but right. begins we, to we, cook. We don't have children yet, and we do cook yeah. together a lot. And so, we again, you know, I've got David, I'm going to cook dinner. Would you please just, like, empty the dishwasher and get the dishes in? And he'll get the cleaning done or vice versa, and I'll be like, I'll clean the kitchen for you if you cook dinner, you know? So that's kind of how it goes. And... Um, yeah, it just works like that. <laughs> I have That's one great. more question. What, what do y'all like to cook at home? Oh, gosh. Um, Asian. Sometimes we really mix ethnic. it up. Tori likes to do a lot of different types of ethnic food, and um, I like to cook, like, home-style one-pot meals um, a lot. And, uh, you know, we we don't mind eating out once in a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we do actually cook at home quite a bit. We're off on Sundays and Mondays. We always cook at home. On, we'll eat out maybe one meal, like a lunch or a dinner on a Sunday or Monday. And then it's fun still. It's actually fun to still go to the grocery store, plan what you're going to eat, see all the cool stuff there, come up with a meal. And that's, that's our entertainment on the weekends. Oh, yeah. And it was prior to becoming a professional chef. It was always what, if I was bored in college and, you know, I wasn't like a partier, you know. It's like I wanted to have dinner parties on the weekends. I just wanted to cook. I mean, that was, it takes up hours of time. It, you get a finished product. It's gratifying, you know. I mean, um, so we, that's still our hobby. We go home to his house up in New York, and we cook the whole time like crazy, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And his folks are like, y'all, you're, you're supposed vacation. to relax. And I was like, y'all don't, I, I mean, I fight with them because I'm like, I want to cook. Yeah. You know, it's like, and, and not that they want to cook. They don't want to cook either. They just think that we want to relax and, you know, and it's like, no, I mean, this is relaxing, getting to cook right. outside of the restaurant. Right. It's back to what we used to love to do oh, as a hobby, you know, so. I love that. We do cook a That's lot. That's great. Yeah, it's, that is great. And we're very restricted here because we're Italian and we can do, you know, a couple things outside the Italian realm, maybe like Mediterranean or Spanish, but we can never go Asian. We can never go Mexican, you know, so that, so when I get an opportunity at home on the weekends, that's what we do. That's how we cook, wow. you know, or for the staff, you know, for their meals, we always cook them different ethnic, ethnic food and stuff. Let's get a job. Well, I tell you, yeah. <laughs> they tell you they what, call it the Del Porto 15, why, though. They gain weight. That Everyone that starts working here. <laughs> if, if y'all never do a cooking class here, make sure you let me know. Okay, so I will. I'd like to come I and will. do that. I will. I will. Of course, you sure. probably had me clean, clean the kitchen first. All <laughs> <laughs> right. No, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of that. That's step one. That's step one. Don't forget. Well, uh, once again, folks, we are talking with David and Tori Salasso of uh, Ristorante del Porto in downtown Covington, Louisiana. If you're ever in the greater New Orleans area, I highly encourage you to come and try this restaurant out. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. This is Char and I's favorite restaurant. So, uh, David, Tori, thank you all so much for being with us. We really so appreciate welcome. this. Well, thank you. We're glad to participate. For sure.
Well, I do want to thank, once again, I do want to thank David and Tori. It was a, a, a wonderful conversation. I, I really enjoyed uh, meeting them and, and sitting down with them. And, you know, of course, I enjoyed just sitting there in the restaurant. It was It's a wonderful, just a great atmosphere. And uh, oh, you got to go see it. Uh, or, you know, you, you know, you can see some pictures there online. You can go to their restaurant. It's Ristorante. That's a Italian way of spelling restaurant. Ristorante del Porto. So, ristorantedelporto.com. You know, I said early in the show, in the very beginning, that if everything goes well, then uh, this would be a shorter show than normal. But guess what? It's not going well. And a show's starting to run long, so what we're going to do is we're going to close out the show with Sarah Reinhardt and Mary in the Kitchen. And, uh, man, do I need to hear this message or what? Uh, I'm sure you you probably need to hear it, too. If you do, let us know. Please make a leave a comment there in the show notes, catholicfoodie.com. Let Sarah know that you can relate. Uh, you can also visit Sarah over at snoringscholar.com. Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ray. And this is Mary in the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> A few weeks ago, we did something that was either an investment in our future or extremely stupid. We purchased two, yes, two, Jack Russell puppies. Now, we are no strangers to this breed of chaos. Our former Jack Russell, who met his demise earlier this summer, was the subject of many a rant and rave from me, especially before we wised up and made him an outside dog. But for all the headaches he inspired, we respected his ability as a critter dog. At four months old and less than ten pounds, he took on a raccoon double his size and earned my husband's everlasting regard. We have a host of tales of his exploits as the top dog around our place, from raccoons and groundhogs to rats, mice, and moles. Two days after we buried him, we found a shrew in the front yard. These new puppies, who have a variety of unfriendly nicknames already on their adorable little heads, promise to have the same breed characteristics that made their predecessor so memorable. Already their noses take them on adventures headed away from me. Already they show a ferocity that makes us laugh and anticipate the tug-of-war that will happen with the unfortunate victim critter in the not-too-distant future. They're too little right now to be fully outside dogs, so they're on the porch and in the house when I can't be outside chasing them and keeping my eye on them. I seem to notice them most when I'm trying to get things done in the kitchen. In the mornings, when I'm wrapped up in my fuzzy red robe, cradling coffee and a rosary, one of them will attack the hem and the other will immediately jump in. As a non-morning person, I find their instant energy annoying, to say the least. When I stand up, they will attack my slippers, which have delightfully fuzzy edges and must issue an invitation of some sort. In the event that I decide I've earned my shower and I dare to shut the bathroom door, they will clamber and paw and whine incessantly. Often, one of my daughters will open the door, which gives them access to the bath rug, my pile of clothes on the floor, and, yes, 
the shower curtain. They tear through the house like they're on a mission, and I recognize their single-minded quest for adventure. They find the Barbies who've been lost for months, the markers that were left untended just moments before, and the shoes you'd rather them not have. They pull clothes through the holes in the hamper and leave presents for me at the other end of the kitchen. I'll be trying to drain pasta, make tea, or microwave anything, and I'll hear a squeal, a bark, or an unidentified pop, only to see that a puppy was nearby, and what in the world was he doing? Luckily, they're not big enough to get into the trash, yet. All of this canine activity has made me wonder if Mary had a dog, or, probably more appropriately, if Jesus had a dog. But pets must have been a completely different sort of thing back then, so maybe that's just a silly question to ponder. But when I'm looking down at the combined cuteness and cussedness of my Jack Russell puppies, always underfoot in my kitchen... I can't help but ask. This week, when you find yourself frustrated in the kitchen, whether because of another person or an wayward pet, turn to Mary and ask her to guide you ever closer to her son. Thank you so much, Sarah. That's Sarah Reinhard, folks, and you can find her over at snoringscholar.com. Uh, just a quick announcement. Uh, you may have heard this if you listen to um, Faith and Family Live uh, podcast, episode 70, but the Catholic Foodie Coffee is ready. It is absolutely ready. Uh, once again, uh, this is uh, Tuesday, uh, September 21st, and uh, we do have a little issue with the shipping calculator on CatholicFoodie.com, but I hope to rectify that uh, very quickly. I'm, I'm working on it. And um, so catholicfoodie.com slash coffee, and you will be able to order fresh, very fresh, very, very fresh, hand-roasted coffee, dark, medium, and decaf, catholicfoodie.com slash coffee. And uh, if you want to leave feedback for the Catholic Foodie, give me a call at 985-635-4974 or email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. And uh, don't forget, I didn't give you a recipe today for a reason. I did not because... I'm going to include that recipe, a special recipe I just prepared the other day. I'm including that in the first, the inaugural issue of our new newsletter, the Catholic Foodie Newsletter. So you can sign up for that and get that recipe by going to catholicfoodie.com slash newsletter. Sign up there and you will get get that recipe. It's for, uh, let me just say it's an absolutely delicious recipe using either seven steak or round steak. So catholicfoodie.com slash newsletter. And if you have a recipe, go ahead, go to uh, catholicfoodie.com slash add recipe. I need some healthy recipes, so don't forget to do that. And until next time, folks, bon appetit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.